Hello, welcome to Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday, where all your questions for your primary care doctor are answered. Our goal is to help our listeners make their wellness a priority and live out long, enjoyable, and fulfilling lives. All right, we are on. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Weekly Dose with Dr. Uday. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about resistant depression. We have um, Dr. Vinika with us today. I'm going to start with introductions, and then we're going to get right into what we have today. So for those that don't know me, my name is Dr. Uday. I'm a board-certified family medicine physician based in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I co-own a primary care practice, namely Apple Valley Family Medicine. I also provide aesthetic services to my patients and clients. And with both modalities, my goal is to have my patients not only feeling good, but looking good. So Dr. Vinika, I'm gonna allow you to introduce yourself. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. So you can go ahead. Thank you for having me. It's a Thank great you. pleasure. So I am uh, Vinika Hiraban. I am the owner of Joyful Horizon Psychiatry. I uh, We focus on mood symptoms, so treatment-resistant depression that we'll be talking about today, um, anxiety, OCD. Um, and I also work on an inpatient setting. Right now, I'm uh, the director of the women's unit, uh, soon to be transitioning fully to outpatient. Yay. That's so awesome. Okay. So let's start with what is resistant depression? So uh, uh, interestingly, there's no um, official di- official definition for it. But in mm-hmm. general, when somebody suffers from major depressive disorder and uh, has not responded adequately to treatment modalities that are evidence-based, so this will be considered therapy or one or more medications, uh, that's one of the definitions. Usually, uh, I would say if somebody has not responded to at least two medications uh, in two different classes of medications that are indicated for depression, that would be kind of a better definition of uh, treatment-resistant depression, but uh, every insurance company goes by their definition of what they mean by treatment-resistant depression. Gotcha. So the other one um, sometimes that we get questions about is what causes it? So what would you say um, from your perspective would cause um, this to happen? So a couple of uh, different uh, possibilities there. So we have the the first one would be the genetic predisposition. So uh, if depression is running uh, in the family, especially if both mom and dad have it and grandparents have it, there is a high likelihood that the patient would have it too. Mm -hmm. Uh, On top of that, there are some like epigenetic factors as well, whereas uh, depending on people's experiences, there are changes in the the structural component of the DNA that would contribute to somebody having uh, depression. Then there's some um, comorbid uh, factors as well. So for example, medical conditions that can mimic depression, and it's important to rule that out. Um, And then uh, a lot of psychosocial factors. So for example, what the patient is going through, uh, uh, homelessness, financial difficulties, uh, difficulties with families. uh, In the uh, 
festival uh, period, for example, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas time, even though those are festive situations, a lot of people struggle with that because they uh, meet with, you know, family that maybe they have a history of abuse and they have to meet that person or just the family conflict in general. So lots of different uh, psychosocial factors uh, contributing to that as well. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a really, really good point. Okay, so then what would you say symptoms are of uh, resistant so uh, the, the basis would be the symptoms for major depressive disorder. And on top of that, it would be the characteristic, as we discussed uh, uh, initially, about the failure to respond to the treatment-based modalities. But the symptoms per se would be uh, uh, not like feeling depressed, uh, the, the DSM criteria defines it as uh, low mood or low energy anhedonia uh, for at least two weeks. Uh, but in general, for treatment resistant depression, it's been going on for longer. So the symptoms we see would be the depressed mood, um, decreased interest in doing things that they would usually enjoy doing, low energy, uh, difficulties with concentration, uh, difficulties with... Uh, feeling hope for the future. So a lot of hopelessness, lots of feelings of guilt uh, that significantly affects appetite a lot of times and sleep. So both insomnia and decreased sleep or uh, emotional eating with overeating and weight gain or suppressed appetite with loss of weight. Mm -hmm. And then in the most severe uh, conditions, it would lead to negative thoughts. So for example, uh, I wouldn't mind if I didn't wake up, so passive suicidal thoughts, or just really active suicidal thoughts with an intention and a plan um, to kill themselves. So, all right, so let's talk about diagnosis and just so the, for resistant depression, um, just let us know what how to diagnose it. Okay, so uh, the diagnosis is mostly a clinical one. So we go okay. by the um, we go by the symptoms uh, that we talked about earlier, so try sure. to go by the DSM-5 criteria. And then uh, during our initial assessment, we get all the history from the patient. So not just the symptoms, but also get a biopsychosocial assessment. So we were talking about how the contributions of the um, social factors have an impact on depression as well. Um, and then... Uh, a medical history because sometimes medical conditions can also mimic depression, list of medications. Uh, some medications can also um, contribute to depression. So it, just in general, some examples would be like beta blockers, seizure medications, benzodiazepines. Um, lately there was, uh, with the Montelukas, there was an FDA warning release that it can cause changes in mood and cause depression anxiety. Uh, so we uh, we get the history um, kind of to guide us as to what exactly is causing the depression. There's also substance abuse that we cannot rule out because substances will contribute to depression or uh, the other way around, mania as well. Um, and then we get a thorough assessment of what has been tried for the depression because for us to, to define it as treatment-resistant depression, the patients must have tried medications at the adequate dose 
for the adequate period of time. So some patients would try antidepressants for just two weeks and say that it doesn't work. Well, that does not satisfy that criteria because it has to be at the optimal dose and for at least six to eight weeks, failing that or no response or inadequate response then would put them in the category of treatment resistant depression. Gotcha, gotcha. So now as far as treatment, what what um, do you have available as far as treatment for resistant depression? Okay, so treatment of uh, treatment resistant depression. Uh, again, uh, we cannot underestimate the effects of lifestyle changes. So lack of sleep, uh, poor nutrition, um, the, the increased cortisol level, and uh, that causes inflammation, uh, decreases neuroplasticity. So uh, having a good healthy diet helps, exercise helps with uh, uh, releasing endorphins, dopamine, uh, people feel good after that. Um, then in terms of medications, we want to uh, optimize the patient's medication. So let's say the patient started an antidepressant and started feeling better but not good enough so we first increase the dose and then let's say after increasing the dose they still are struggling then we can use augmenting agents so uh, lithium atypical antipsychotics uh, bupropion is an anti other antidepressant that uh, we can add on to typical ssris snris um, and then if those don't work uh, or just to continue with the treatment, we would also encourage patients to have therapy. And ther what therapy does is, especially for the depressed people, it helps them change their negative beliefs into positive ones. Um, then there's also uh, the biological treatments like TMS and ECT. So uh, TMS is transcranial magnetic stimulation. Uh, and what happens there is we use a magnetic a coil to induce uh, a current um, that will stimulate the neurons directly. So that that helps. So what they found is in depressed patients, there's an area in the prefrontal cortex that is underactive. So uh, the TMS through the magnetic field helps uh, the neurons fire better. So they are uh, more functional, they are able to make connections better, so increase in neuroplasticity. Um, ECT is also an option uh, which uses electric current directly. However, uh, it has its limitations. For example, it affects cognition and it needs general anesthesia. So a lot of patients can't afford to do that three times a week, for example, when they're starting and they, they can't go to work, they need a driver, uh, to take them back and forth. However, with TMS, they can still go to work, take their lunch break, drive themselves. There's no anesthesia involved. They just come for their treatment and go back with their daily activities as if nothing has happened. Um, and then we cannot not discuss about special K, which is ketamine. So ketamine is very popular right now. And um, there are different forms of ketamine. So intravenous, intramuscular, intranasal, sublingual, and oral. And the one that is clinically uh, approved right now, FDA approved, is the intranasal one. Um, so uh, it works by uh, 
again, neuroplasticity and uh, modulation of the glutamate uh, neurotransmitter. And uh, not only does it help with treatment-resistant depression, but it acts really fast and helps with patients who are acutely suicidal as well. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of time before the other modalities, like the other forms are uh, approved as well, probably. And then in the future, we're looking at treatments like uh, psilocybin or NMDA as well. Uh, sorry, MDMA as well. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to uh, switch gears and ask a few things about you. Why do you do what you do? Uh, so for me, I, uh, I, I've always enjoyed connecting with people, knowing more about their lives. I would always, uh, you know, in uh, high school or before that, I would go to the library and get all these psychology books. Um, and at some point, so I, I, uh, I did my residency in internal medicine and psychiatry because there was so much stigma in psychiatry. So I thought, okay, as a primary care provider, I could sneak in, you know, an antidepressant here and then that will be better accepted than going to a psychiatrist and getting antidepressants. Um, and then because of my, the love of the connection with people, I just, I'm practicing more psychiatry currently. Um, and then the reason I opened the clinic is because on the inpatient level is a, it's a quick stabilization for patients that are acutely suicidal. And I always wonder what's going on with the patient? How are they doing? And a lot of times there were readmits as well. So the treatment resistant clinic helps with finding a long-term solution. And that's been very uh, gratifying to see patients just regain their lives back from uh, depression instead of, you know, just being constantly readmitted to the hospital, they now have a life. This well-needed, well-needed um, service that you provide. Thank you so much for what you do. Um, other question. So with all the experience that you've had, um, all the life that you've lived, if you had an opportunity to meet your 20-year-old self, what would you tell them? What would you advise them? Uh, so I had a, a careers guidance uh counselor at school and uh, I had no idea what, what, what to do. I just knew it, it had to be the medical field. Uh, and she kept telling me, and I think she was annoyed by me because I kept asking her the same question over and over, like, what should I do? What should I do? As if she would magically know what I was meant to do. And one day she just stopped me and she's like, uh, my girl, you can do whatever you want to do. And I was like, this is the silliest answer ever. But now looking back, I'm like, she was so right. We can do whatever we want to do. It's just a matter of enjoying the journey uh, along the way and then finding out. Because we, like, especially nowadays, I think a lot of teenagers or young adults are really struggling with um, what they're going to do later. There's, uh, so it's a normal process just to embrace it. And don't be scared of failures. Failures is actually going to lead to success. That's we just it. need to learn uh, what the what the experience is giving us, and then just it, it's okay if if I didn't do this, I would do something else. If it didn't work out, I would find my own way in something else. So it works out. It will work out. So 
my counselor was right. <laughs> you found out years later, right? Years amazing. later. <laughs> what experience does for you. Oh, this is beautiful. Thank you so much for um, bearing with us. We had some technical difficulties, but she handled it like a champ. Um, and so the other thing, since we're wrapping up, is if anybody wants to connect with you, um, how, how can they reach you and all that? Okay, I'm going to quote uh, Dr. Tolu on this one. If anybody has treatment-resistant depression or they have their family struggling with treatment-resistant depression or their primary care providers or any other doctors dealing with uh, treatment-resistant depression uh, and they're in Utah, please uh, give us a call. Uh, and uh, our phone number is 801-618-4303. We're also on... Uh, at uh, our website is joyfulhorizon.com. Email is joy at joyfulhorizon.com. Instagram handle, you guessed it, joyfulhorizon. <laughs> and same with the Facebook page. Uh, so lots of joy everywhere. That's our goal for all our patients. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. And then on the flip side, if you're looking for a quality family medicine physician, look us up, uh, Apple Valley Family Medicine. Our number is 304-350-1087. And our website is www.applevalleyfamilymed.com. We did it. So, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you. we'll see you on the flip side. Thank you so much, Dr. Vinika. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and include a review. Don't forget, you're worth it and your health is our priority. Tune in for another episode next week and have a great rest of your week.